All right, so uh, Shane's going to be passing out the uh, the handouts as we you know jump back and continue in our study of uh, of First Timothy. I'm I'm excited about today's message, but I'm just going to shoot you straight. Today's message is a meat and potatoes message. I like meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes are good. <laughs> I do too. But it's a meat and potatoes message. So you are not well. I don't want to. I don't want to thwart what God might do. My guess is you're not going to walk out of here and say that message changed my life. Okay, maybe it will, but this is the kind of message that is foundational, that lays some groundwork on how to build in your faith, how to take a step in your faith. Right? This is not the. This is not. You know, lightning will not. I hope <laughs> lightning will not come down from heaven. There will not shine some great light other than these lights right here will probably not shine down on the message today. It's matter of fact, when when I look at the verses, they're kind of a little confusing, to be honest, a little. They seem a touch out of place, and I'm never going to challenge that scripture is out of place. I'm never going to challenge. But God must be doing something by putting these verses in. And and we're going to look at that. So so first Timothy chapter five, verses twenty four and twenty five. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. And so we're just gonna we're just gonna jump into it a little bit. You have uh, your handout hopefully at this point in front of you. I think we have enough. It looks like we have maybe a few extras here. Um, but there, the first is. Uh, the first is there are three ways uh, sin sins are, are are kind of manifest, right? There are three ways sins are manifest. One of the ways, uh, well, I shouldn't say there are three ways. We're going to cover three ways sins are manifest, and these I would argue cover maybe the vast majority of them. First, by us when we're proud of the action, like there are times that I have interacted with people, and I, I'm I'm not I'm not, you know ashamed to admit there have been times that I've said no Lord that I've said I ain't doing it that way and I've said it to my wife like when when some of the stuff came down with the lockdowns when some of the stuff came with the mask like I'm not necessarily proud about it but I was like I said to her I ain't doing it well guess what (laughs) I did it (laughs) I submitted myself (laughs) like I I it was pride. I don't know how to say. Some, some sins are just open. We just we say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to get discipled. I think that's stupid. Or I don't need to get baptized. Or I don't need to serve. I don't need to do this, that, or the other. Like some of us, and, and maybe you've said that recently, some of us just say those things. Like we say, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And that's kind of, and proud of the action. If you, if you, if you, and I think, so I can't remember some of these. I just have the references. But in Second Timothy chapter four, so this is the second letter that Tim, uh, that Paul writes to Timothy. He says, uh, "For Demas, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica." Demas was like, you know what, Paul? I'm done. This is a guy that, like, he had ministered with, he'd he'd had the experience with, and then Demas was like, you know what? I can't take anymore. I'm done. I'm done serving the Lord. I'm going to go live in the world, and I'm going to Thessalonica to do it. You know, it wasn't a choice of ministry. He was just, he was just proud of where he was at, and that's unfortunate. Others, 
uh, sometimes other situations are, are manifest by others. So, so when you look at the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, right? So she was in, in, in a sin situation. It, she wasn't necessarily proud of her situation. Matter of fact, there's reason to believe from the passage that she wasn't proud of her, her situation. But someone else identified her sin and exposed it. Right? In John 8, 3, And the scribes and Pharisees brought forth the woman unto him, or brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. In the very act. So literally, like, sometimes sins are manifest by other people for an agenda. Not necessarily because they were concerned about being righteous. They that wasn't the issue here, right? They were trying. They, there were a lot of things in play, but they were trying to put forward uh, an issue in her life. So they were exposing her sin. And then there's sometimes that sins are manifest by God, right? So they bring us to repentance in some cases, right? Remember David's sin with Bathsheba, right? So so he is confronted. In, in 2 Samuel 12, 7, and Nathan said to David, thou art the man, right? After he describes the situation with the lamb, right? He says, thou art the man, thus saith the Lord of Israel, I, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. Like, God's still going to deal with David, but he's trying to bring him to a point of repentance based on his actions, right? And then the, uh, the second is to conform to the image of Christ. When you look at Peter... In Luke 4, 8, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So literally Jesus is trying to call out Peter's sin to get him to the right place of worship. Right? You guys, I see some nodding of heads. I think some folks are tracking me. And there's other times to warn or openly rebuke. Right? You think of Ananias and Sapphira, right? Like, they did that in Acts chapter 5. They brought in, the, they sold their land for X. They bring in Y. They say they sold it for, you know, this is all of it, but they held some back. It wasn't a problem that they gave a partial offering. The problem was that they lied about it, the, the bad intent, right? And they both die. And the, and the church, like, takes notice of that, right? So to warn open rebuke, say, well, well, Mitch, why are we talking about open sin? Well, because when you look at the verse, some men's sins are open beforehand, right? Some men's sins are open. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're open because they did it of their own accord. They're proud of it. Doesn't necessarily mean that they did it because someone else exposed it. Or doesn't necessarily mean because God, we just... We don't know exactly what Paul means here, and I would argue that he actually means all of them. Some men's sins are open beforehand, before going before to judgment. Like, before the actual moment of judgment, where everything's going to be laid out, we have, a, we have that knowledge when these situations arise. So Paul is saying to Timothy, there's times when things just bubble up through the course of ministry, through the course of of interacting with people where their sins are open. Their sins are open. And and one thing that we can know about this is it's going before to judgment. This is happening before judgment. And the reason this is important and you'll and, and I want to spend just a little bit of time on this is because judgment is certain. Do not like 
like, I don't want anybody to tell the KC Police Department, but I sped on the way here this morning. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a lot. I was, you know, some of y'all did the exact same thing. <laughs> Getting here. Not, yeah, there's fingers pointing in the room. There's people saying, yes, I did, and maybe I didn't. I mean, it wasn't bad, but, but if had I been pulled over, I might have been able to talk my way out of it, right? I might have been able, look, look, officer, it was only four miles over, trying to get my family to church, right? I might have been able to get out of it. But the, the reason I, the reason I, there, that judgment was not certain. Like, we get away with things in life. Like, there were, you know, we passed notes in school, we... You know, I, I'm not a I'm not too big of a, a man to admit that I cheated on a test one time. Yes, sir. Thank you, Shane. Yeah, did you cheat on a test too? Okay, okay, that's why you were agreeing. Not just you were just not just, you were not just agreeing that I cheated on a test. You also like like there was there was a time that you know well I, I, I've sinned like but I know judgment is certain. I know judgment is certain. Scripture tells us, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So is that a contradiction? Because in 1 Timothy chapter 5, our, our text today, it says some men's sins are open before judgment. But this says that after they die is the judgment. Well, sometimes we just see some aspect of the judgment here on earth before the official judgment. It's like a pre-sentencing, right? I don't know. I don't even know what to, to liken it to. We just, we know that God's at work in someone's life to manifest it, right? Think about that, uh, the woman taken in adultery. Jesus, Jesus interacts with her and gives her an opportunity to kind of wipe the slate clean, go and sin no more, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, judgment is going to happen in John 16 verses 8 and 11 and when he has come talking about the Holy Spirit the comforter he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and then verse 11 of judgment because the prince of the world is of this world is judged like it's a certainty there's no doubt that judgment is going to happen both to us and and to, to the angels even that, that have fallen. Judgment will happen. We can't, we can't avoid, we can't deny judgment. We can kind of forget because we get away with things. And sometimes God doesn't stop us from like literally I didn't get I didn't get pulled over, like I said. He didn't stop me from sinning this morning. I, I'm sorry if you're disappointed in me. I'm sorry if you thought I was perfect. And you now realize that I am not. Now, y'all knew I wasn't perfect well before I said about that. My point is that we often think just because there's no cause and immediate effect, that there's no effect, right? There's no cause and effect. Well, there is a cause and the effect is judgment. Okay? And we'll talk more about what that judgment looks like. But we know that it is certain. We also know that judgment is revealing. Judgment is very revealing. And this, I, I don't know if you've had the opportunity. I know most people, when they get this, the jury summons in the mail, what do we do? Eye roll emoji, right? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> this, is, this is not what I want to do. I had the opportunity to sit on a jury one time. I say opportunity because I had to. Um, the opportunity, but it was interesting Everything got out on the table. The good, the bad, the ugly, 
the relationships, the it was a uh, an attempted murder. I can talk about this because it was like thirty years ago or something. I don't know. Maybe it was thirty years, it was twenty years ago. It was an attempted murder. It was a, a, a uh, um, aggravated assault. I think was the uh, the legal term. Uh, three guys kind of cornered one guy, and the one guy reached over and grabbed a knife out of off the counter and defended himself. At least that was what the defense was saying. Oh, but the facts told a different story. It was very revealing. Everything got out of all the dirty laundry around, around the relationships, what was going on that day, what had happened the days before, right? Everything was relevant to the jury making a decision about who about the guilt of, of this individual. The exact same thing happens at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, there's two judgments. The great white throne of judgment reserved for the, the lost, okay? And for those who are saved, we, we don't have to endure that judgment. We have the judgment seat of Christ, which is both something we should look forward to, but according to scripture, also terrifying. It's a terror. It's described as a terror in scripture because it's so serious like we can't avoid it there is going to come a day where we have the ultimate test not like written or written you know or oral or it's like no one is going to pull anything over on the lord look at this every in first corinthians 3 every man's work shall be made manifest there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. So literally, the things that I have done, the ministries, the lives, the discipleship, the teaching, the, the, the shepherding, the, the compassion, all the things that that I've invested in that you've invested in those will those will those will pass through the fire they will be hardened they will come out on the other side like gold silver and precious stones right they'll they'll survive but there's other things that I've done in the flesh to ser- to to serve the lord which we talked about in in first service like you none of that is pleasing to god that's wood likened to wood hay and stubble and that will be burned up but let me be very clear the words of scripture are in <clears throat> fact poignant here let every man's work be made manifest this is not a, just about your heart attitude it is about what you do or don't do okay it's not you can't just say well i had a good heart attitude well and, and, you know, honestly, there's a lot of people that disciple in the flesh. So there is a heart attitude component to it, right? There is a heart that, 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 that is, that's necessary for it to be good ministry. But you can't just say, wow, I'm sitting around the house and I really want a disciple. So the Lord will let that pass through judgment. Well, it's not a work. That's just a desire. But notice in 2 Peter 3, But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. This is the contrast to the great white throne judgment. Right? So this is the judgment. So everybody's going to face judgment. Everybody's going to stand before the, the, quote, judge, the Almighty God. And I would submit to you that that there's at least some reason to believe here that just in being in his presence, 
will be the fire that's going to burn it, burn stuff that doesn't last away. Right. Like, I, I know that, and I know we've even said it here, I think I've even taught this way, that, you know, maybe there'll be a big screen like this or a bigger screen, play all my life stuff, and I'll have the opportunity to make my case before. No, like, like I just think, I, I, I can't prove it, but it the, the day shall declare it because it'll be revealed by fire. Like, I get in his presence and nothing that doesn't matter will survive. Right. Like, it's just burned away. But notice in 1 Timothy 5.20, so this is just a few verses up from our text, right? Them that sin rebuke before all, that others may also fear. Literally, Paul is telling Timothy, bring it to light. Let judgment be in the, in the house. Like, bring it to light. If, if there's an issue, let's deal with it openly. Open rebuke is better than secret love. So there's there's a lot, and there's a, a couple other references there, but just for the sake of time, we'll, we'll keep moving on. Like, judgment should be open. It's certain. It's revealing. There are times when it is appropriate to bring someone before the body and say, this is what's happened. Now, I think sometimes, at least... In the history of the churches I've been in, that bar has been a little low for, for my liking. I think these are the kinds of things that are reserved for people that either pastors or leaders who've done something wrong or people who've attacked pastors and leaders. Like if, if Decker, you know, Decker looked at me funny, I don't think it's necessary, you know, to bring him up here and be like, hey, guys, Decker looked at me funny. It was totally inappropriate. He made a face during my preaching. So I, I just wanted you all to know. You know, or, you know, this guy, I mean, I don't know if you heard it, but, but Shane was up here cussing earlier. Like, Shane, that's just not becoming a Christian. Like, I just wanted you all to know. I mean, that, that becomes this kind of lording situation, right, which is not healthy for the body. But if Shane were to rebuke, sorry, bro. You're not going to sit in the front anymore. If Shane <laughs> were to rebuke the pastor falsely, make a false accusation against Sam, start spreading that yeah. around this class. You know what? There's probably going to come a time where I, in this in this fellowship, or potentially it, it before the body, that we're going to have to say, look, Shane, Shane sins. Shane was doing the wrong thing. And hopefully the Lord would convict Shane, and Shane would be more than glad to say, stand up and say, I did wrong. The Lord forgave me. Like, that's... So that's them that sin rebuke before all. Now that remember earlier in First Timothy chapter five, that was the challenge of the pastor, right? Rebuke not an elder, right? Except there being multiple witnesses, right? But open rebuke is better than secret love. This is a this is a real thing. Open rebuke. We need to, judgment should be open. No closed doors here. So men follow after, and I put these, I think I just put the references on your list, but the men follow after. So I, I probably should have put this verse in a couple of different places. But some men's sins are open beforehand, right? We saw that. We just know about them before judgment. Going before to judgment. So ultimately they will be judged. And look at this. Some men, they follow after. Some people actually choose to follow after that sin, which is really odd to me. It's really awkward that some people, knowing what's what's happening, knowing what that what people are doing is wrong, they will still do it. 
But And we're just going to touch on these. Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Because, hey, there are people that will do that. Right. Proverbs 1, 10 and 15, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Don't go with them. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. Why? Why is this even a warning if it's not a thing? Well, because it's a thing. Don't do it. Don't go the direction of the sinner. You're going to see that, and to some degree, it's going to be appealing to your flesh. Maybe they're people of power. Maybe they're people of authority. Maybe they're people of influence. Maybe you just like them, and you want to follow them into sin. Don't, according to Scripture. Proverbs 2, 11 and 12. Discretion shall preserve thee. Understanding shall keep thee to deliver thee from the way of the evil man. From the man that speaketh forward things. In chapter 9 and verse 6. Forsake the foolish and live, and go in the way of understanding. 1320. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Like, this is a thing. There's, a, you know, this isn't just not a passing touch point. This is the, in the, certainly all these references in Proverbs, and honestly there's more if you just expand the, the sphere of the, the scope of, 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 the, of the inclusion of this prince into this principle. There's actually more. Like, don't be enticed to follow those folks who are doing wrong and you know we're doing wrong. But we have to, we have to address it because our tendency as people will be to follow these. We'll, we'll be In our flesh, as people, our tendency will be to follow foolish folks. We'll be to follow those that, that, that create uh, mischief or wickedness. But, well, look at this. There, men will follow after. There's this concept called cult of personality. It's not just a song by Living Color. <laughs> Some of you knew I was going to go there. Some of you now can hear the song in your head and you can't get it out. And for that, I'm both happy and sad. <laughs> for, look at this. For in, in Acts 5, for in these, before these days rode up, uh, rose up uh, Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, and then he was slain. Who was slain, and all his men obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this... Man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. Like, there's this concept of following this bad leader or this leader that's not going to, you know, and, and, and look, there's probably some component of zealousness against the government. Okay, jump up on my soapbox for a second. Be careful about your position against the government, against the vaccination, against the... Just be careful. That's, That's right. all. I, just be careful. Because what you might be doing is following somebody who you don't actually like, who you don't actually agree with, and their end is not good. Mm-hmm. Just be careful. Okay? I'm not saying don't... You Look... I think that God was in the revolution in the United States, breaking us off from, 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 from Britain and bringing some religious freedoms that didn't happen. I mean, God has clearly blessed the United States of America. I get that sometimes you have to have civil disobedience. I get Just, just be careful. Just be careful. Don't get wa- washed up in it. Because what happens is God will take off the leader, and then you get dispersed or scattered. 
He doesn't do, God does not do this with true Bible believers. Sometimes the lead gets taken out, martyred, removed, whatever, but he doesn't scatter and disperse this way. He multiplies and grows. Yeah, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're pers- uh, persuasive of errors. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Like those are letters in red for those of for those of you who think those letters or those words mean more. Jesus is literally saying the scribes and Pharisees intentionally draw people away from God. Right. Be careful. Do not follow me one step if I'm pulling you away from the Lord. Like, hard right, hard left, whatever, the illustration. Do not follow me one step if I pull you away from the Lord. Continue in 2 Peter chapter 2. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. These, liter- these folks literally twist scripture. They, they take things that are true and they make them evil. And they have these pernicious ways. And what's going to happen? A lot of few people are going to follow them. Be careful who you're following. Be careful. And of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Like, this church is not immune to that. It's unfortunate. I put it in the category of it stinks. But there are people that when they get the platform, whether that platform is one-on-one discipleship or small group Bible study, well, they'll take a, I think Sam refers to it as a pet doctrine, and they'll make a bigger deal out of it than it needs to be. And they start pulling away disciples after them. And they start questioning the leadership. And they start questioning the structure. And does, does the scripture really say that, or does it say this? Just be real careful. Because those folks are looking for followers. And why? Because it strokes their ego. It strokes their pride. Like, I'm blessed... I am absolutely blessed. And I'm, I'm just going to be transparent. I, when I leave, when I walk out of the, the, the auditorium, I go into the little hallway to print out the number of copies of this handout. And I'm always torn because I don't want to print too many and waste like church resources. But I also want to be a man of faith that says how many people are going to be here, right? So I, when I walk in, I try, to, I try to gauge, okay, who's out? Who's told me they're on vacation? Who's ser- serving? Like, Brandon's serving. And, like, I, I know that, you know, some folks are here and some folks aren't. And so I try to, try to gauge. And, but it's this, little, it's this little faith struggle for me every time. It's a blessing to see all of these faces and all the new faces in that lake. It really is. And I love it because I love you guys. But at the end of the day... When, I think when we first started, we first started Whole Heart. It was a transition, obviously, and we were coming back from pandemic, but I think there were seven of us in the boiler room, ballpark, eight maybe. And there was a host on, on Zoom. I'm not ju- but my point is, like, I'm going to do this if just two of us show up. I mean, praise the Lord that, like, he's called me to do this until he tells me not to. I love having people here, but not because it strokes my ego. But because I really believe this blind beggar got some bread and he just wants to share. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I just, I really believe that the Lord taught me this and said, teach it to them. Mm -hmm. 
and and that like that's enough. I, and I'm not, I'm really not trying to be like one of these guys and be like, this is like some subtle, twisted. I'm not trying to play on your emotions. I'm really not. People will do this. And if you, if you, again, I will say it again. If I am pulling you one step away from the Lord, stop coming to this class. Stop. It's not worth it. Your, your following the Lord is much more important than me tallying you here as an attendance. I, I, I literally don't even get a bonus for how many people show up. I don't even get paid, but that's beside the point. Like, I don't get anything. Some people will arise and they will start drawing themselves people to themselves. I have tried and, and tried. It, it's been a it's been a focused effort on my part for you all to be networked in MBT. I've brought in, when I've not been here, I've asked other uh, fellowship leaders to teach. I've asked other pastors to teach. That was, not, that was not coincidence. That was not just who was available. I want them to see you. I want you to see them. We've done fellowship activities with other fellowships. We're going to this marriage tre- retreat with Life Fellowship. I want you networked. I don't want a little group think going on here. That's the best way to keep us all safe. Okay? It's the best way. Some, look at, some are deceitful. Some, draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity. Look at this. Which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their heart. Like you have to pray and ask God to show you what's going on in that person. And it's called discernment, and God will give it to you. Sometimes people call it their, their, you know, their intuition, their gut, whatever. God will use His Holy Spirit, Amen. and He will He will give you that guidance. So the first discipleship decision, you know, thirty five minutes into the message, who will you or will you be discerning who you follow? Will you be discerning who you follow? I think I think Timothy is being or Paul is putting out putting this out to Timothy. Some men are going to do things and other people will follow them. Just be careful a who you follow Timothy and know that that's going to happen. People are going to going to be pulled away. So now we'll go to our second second part of this which is uh, it, which is shorter. But good works are manifest to man, right? So forgive me. Just just close your eyes for just a second. Uh, Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest. So the the sins are open and known in some cases before judgment. Likewise, in a similar way, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand. Meaning, we'll see them here. And some good works are only going to be seen at judgment because they cannot be hid. Right? The fire will burn everything else away and they will remain. Okay? So that's literally the lesson. It's, it's parallel. So the, the sin and the good works. So what are good, good works? How, are, how can they be manifest? Well, to glorify God. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and think you're an awesome dude. And think, man, I really want to get to know them. No. They glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. I had had I was in Austin this week and had uh, breakfast with a with a former uh, former colleague former boss of mine and and we were talking about just things and he was like you know 
I just really appreciate your ministry. I appreciate how you minister to folks. Well, praise God. That I mean, okay, thanks. I, look, that and I was going to say a, a nickel will get me nothing. That and five bucks won't even get me a coffee. Like, okay, thanks. Like, I appreciate that, but I don't do it for you. Right. I don't do it for you. I don't do it so you like me. I don't do it so you say nice things about me. I do it for the Lord. It's a key to your testimony. Look at these two references. I think they're I think they're both pretty cool. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. Okay, <laughs> this woman was full of good works and alms deed, which she did. She was full of Maybe you ought not to call your child Dor- Dorcas. But if you did, or if it's a middle name, praise the Lord. But Tabitha, I would run with. Tabitha, I think, is a good name. <laughs> this woman was full of good works and alms deed, which she did. They knew it. She had yeah, a testimony. Right. right? She had a testimony. The same we see in, in Titus 2 when Paul is talking to Titus in a similar type message, in a similar type letter, a pat, what we call a pastoral or shepherding letter. Paul is teaching Titus, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, and the, action, the list actually continues, and I just I, I trunked it there. Uh, it continues in the next verse. But he says, in all things, show yourself a pattern of good works. He didn't just say be a pattern of good works. It's show. There's, there is a testimony component to it. it is, there is value. There's value for other people seeing it. And again, not so that I can get... A, a nice ego, you know, stroke on my ego because, well, I'm serving the Lord. No, ultimately it, it dovetails to glorify God. And then last, it's an opportunity to encourage in Hebrews 10:24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Like, I want you to do good things. I want you there is nothing there's nothing that will be better for me at the judgment seat of Christ setting my, my family aside than to see those that I have ministered to and with have their, have their good works and have their things pass through the fire. Like, I'm going to rejoice with you. So it is my job to provoke you unto love and to good works. If you're not loving, you need to love. And if you're not doing good works, you need to do good works. Not for yourself, not out of your flesh. Like we don't get to we don't get to set aside all the other things we talked about today, just because of the, it's not addressed in this verse. Like you need to do good works, so that people will glorify your Father in heaven. And ultimately, remember that that First Timothy chapter five and verse twenty five. It's going to be manifest. They cannot be hid. Remember, we already talked about that judgment manifests things. It reveals things, right? Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Same verse. Look at the other reference to this. 1 Corinthians 4 or 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness... He's going to expose the sin, the stuff we've already talked about, and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. 
So this is that part I was kind of talking about when you have to have the good heart attitude. You have to approach ministry the right way, not grudgingly, right? You need to invest in people with love. You need to invest people with compassion, right? Yeah, I... If, you're, if you eye roll when it's time to go to discipleship to disciple, my guess is he was not going to make manifest or he'll make manifest counsel of your heart. There's no doubt about that. And it's going to burn up. Like literally it was wasted time on your end. Literally. Because your heart wasn't in it. So there is a component of both work and heart. They both have to be there. They both have to to mesh in a very real and a very tangible way, a very appropriate way, so that ministry is accomplished. That, my friends, will what is what will survive the fire of the judgment seat of Christ. So ultimately, our second discipleship decision: How do your good works stack up? A, are they good works? Do, B, do they have the the right heart? behind them this counsel of the heart he will manifest the counsel of the heart like what where is your heart in the, are, where are where are your hearts where is your heart in these matters and look there are times when you just got to drag your stinking butt out of bed and go minister i get it and you might not be all in emotionally you might not be all in spiritually you know there are times where some of you will remember this it's time to make the donuts like it's just some of you okay some of you don't but some of you do like right it's just time to get up and make the spiritual donuts some of you are like what in the world there was a a commercial and the guy was like always had to get up early to make the donuts Dunkin Donuts if I remember right Dunkin Donuts yeah time to make the the, the dark outside time to make the donuts and he'd like go to sleep and it was time to make the donuts like because because that's the kind of people that are making your donuts. They're committed. And there are times when I'm I'm tired and I don't want to minister and there's times I just drag myself to ministry. You will experience that if you haven't already. But in that, you can say, "Lord, I am doing it for you. I'm bringing my body under subjection. I'm I'm controlling my flesh because my spirit really wants to serve." Right? Not so that I can be seen in someone, not so that I can receive some sort of pat on the back here, but that I can do it for his honor and glory and that people can see it. For the glory that it is, the glory to his name. I mean, literally, Mitch Dobson is no good without the Lord. I don't know that anybody in here knew the pre-saved Mitch Dobson. I don't think so. I think everybody has met the post-saved. I was not a good dude. I wasn't a good dude. Now, my, my sins had different labels on it than my guess is yours did. I mean, some of us probably did the same, but like it was all it was all filthy. And the thing is, I needed a savior, right? I, exactly what uh, what uh, what Sam was talking about this morning. I needed a savior to wipe away the filth, to wipe away the 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 things that I did with an agenda. I need need the Holy Spirit to come into me to drive me to be compassionate, to drive me to love. And that was important. Matter of fact, it's literally everything I got. Like, I got nothing to give you outside the Lord. I just don't. 
and like I said before, the minute you suspect, the minute you, I, I welcome you to challenge me to my face and to Sam, to the other pastors of this church. If you think I'm leading you astray, if you think I'm teaching heresy, if you think I'm doing something just for my own uh, edification, for my own gratitude, for my own ego, call it out, please. Do not follow me one step away from the Lord. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. And if you're if you're sitting in the chair this morning and and you don't have that relationship with the Lord, you're like some of this is foreign. Some of this, like I don't understand the difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne. Like literally, there's a there's a a chance that people in this room who are unsaved don't even believe there's actually a judgment coming. I'm begging you, there is. Yeah. I'm begging you to believe that there is coming a day when you will be judged. And you need to be in the right spot there. You need to have the right covering, the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that's going to help you in that day. The only thing. There's no St. Peter at the gate weighing your good works, looking in some book relative to your actions. That's not how it looks. He looks and he says, ah, I see Christ. And you can, he doesn't even look, but that's just the way we've made it up. Like if you look like Christ, you can come in. And the only way you look like Christ is to have the blood covering you. That is blood covering you. So I implore you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior today, please get with me afterwards. It is, an, it is a vital decision. Let's pray.